Welcome to the Development Policy Centre podcast. I'm Jonathan Pryke. On the 18th and 19th of June, the University of Papua New Guinea, in partnership with the Development Policy Centre, hosted the 2015 PNG update in Port Moresby. You can find more on the update at our website, devpolicy.anu.edu.au. In this podcast, you'll find a keynote address from Michael Uari, a general manager at Oil Search Limited, on the opportunities and challenges facing the private sector in Papua New Guinea in the LNG era. Thanks very much, Professor Taylor. Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. So as you heard from Professor Taylor, it's been some time since I graduated from uh, UPNG, 1994, and uh, I'm honored to return to the MLT, uh, albeit not as a student, um, and at your invitation to share some industry insights. Uh, and hopefully this will inform uh, your discourse on uh, developing challenges in the LNG era. So I've got to go through the disclaimer, so we'll just go through that briefly. <laughs> and so what I'll cover this morning is uh, an introduction to, to oil search, uh, very briefly, uh, and, and go through with you the, the growth story. Uh, and the key message there is uh, it's one that we should be proud of, and uh, trying to maintain that uh, growth trajectory uh, in coming years uh, is going to be uh, challenged, and I'll touch on uh, uh, what those challenges are. There's uh, quite a number of them, so I'll go through those uh, as quickly as I can, and then move on to the future because uh, the, the the story of the future is uh, really exciting uh, in our industry, anyway. And um, I think it uh, bodes well for our economy. Um, and I just wanted to share some of that uh, 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 the, the future with you, give you an insight into what's coming up uh, between over the next five to ten years. Our industry, uh, you know, we look at um, 30, 40 years. Uh, I'll be there and gone and we'll still be producing energy out of this country. So then who is Allsearch? Um, <clears throat> this company was established in 1929. Uh, and in, in our industry, you have to be prepared to play the long game. And it takes uh, quite a bit of patience and resilience. And our fortunes only started truly taking off in uh, 2000 and 2002 when we, uh, when we took over Origin Minerals Limited. Uh, today our market capitalization is 8.56 billion US dollars. And all the value that's generated by this company for its shareholders and for government is generated in Papua New Guinea. We own 29% of the PNG LNG project, and PNG has really made oil search a regionally significant oil and gas producer. Our area of operations, it's beautiful, uh, but at the same time, it's quite complex. One well can cost up to $100 million. Uh, you, might, you might drill five wells, and you may be lucky with one. Uh, you spent quite a bit of money uh, up to that point. And even if you make a discovery, you won't necessarily find hydrocarbons in commercial quantities. Um, this is the sort of industry we work in, high risk uh, and also high reward at times. So our acreage, I mean in, in PNG, uh, our acreage is concentrated in a, uh, what, what you call a fairway. Uh, which extends from the northwest uh, of Papua New Guinea 
uh, in the Western province uh, around a uh, discovery uh, or, a, or a potential LNG development that we call Penyang and extends in a uh, in a southeasterly direction uh, and uh, through to El Cantolope in the Gulf province and also this uh, and, and also flows into the Gulf we've got some offshore acreage as well. So then now on to PNG's growth story. And, and as I said, this is a story we, of which we can be justifiably proud. Um, over the last few years, PNG's GDP annual rate of growth has been the highest in the region. And if you believe what you if you believe what you read, at some point over the last year it was the highest in the world. So as you can see, uh, the, the rate at which our economy is growing surpasses even that of our nearest neighbor. So what's contributed to this rate of growth uh, in GDP? Well, you know, enter the PNG-LNG project. Uh, the PNG-LNG project is a project that takes a number of uh, pre-existing gas discoveries and, and gas from uh, oil-producing fields. And then it rolls them up into one big coordinated development and sends that gas down a pipeline to a liquefaction plant here in Port Mosby. So the purpose of the liquefaction plant here in Port Mosby is to freeze the gas to, the, to a point where it turns into liquid, uh, at which point you can then load it into tankers for export. Now, the, that's one product stream. There's a second product stream, which is the liquids that are produced uh, are incidental to gas production and that's commingled with uh, crude from our producing oil fields and then that's all exported out of the Kumul terminal in the Gulf province. So you can see a, uh, you can see a green pipeline that extends into the, the Gulf of Papua and that's where Kumul terminal is located. So there's 20 people that uh, live there, live, eat and sleep there full time uh, and tankers come and load crude, crude oil from there on a regular basis. So the first shipment was actually uh, almost a year ago, uh, in early June uh, last year, um, to a Japanese customer, Tepco. And then just seven days ago, we celebrated the 100th cargo to, again, to Tepco. And it's, it's early days yet, but uh, PNG LNG is a, is a huge success story. Uh, it's, delivered ahead of expectations um, within a revised uh, 19 billion US dollar budget. The developers and the government of PNG at the time that they uh, raised money to develop this project did so uh, whilst we were in the throes of a uh, global financial crisis. So it, it was quite an achievement at the time. Um, the two energy plants that are that are operating at the moment are producing uh, well above expectations. So that's all working quite well. <clears throat> so um, what, it, what it does represent though is a quadrupling of production for oil search uh, and for our country. And, and that's the growth story. Um, 
And the challenge now is maintaining that growth trajectory, and that's one that's not without its challenges. So what are the challenges? Uh, as a business in a country, we've got to uh, deal with uh, global challenges and also uh, emerging and perennial domestic uh, public policy issues. Uh, I, should, I should say that at the outset, we're, we're an evolving company and, uh, sorry, an evolving economy and, um, you know, the public policy issues we have to deal with uh, are also evolving uh, and just personally over the last five years there's uh, been quite a few of them that have emerged um, and, and, and uh, there's a few there that are perennial. Um, but I think the challenge for all of us is to engage in dialogue and then use our collective talents to uh, arrive at or to deliver acceptable outcomes for all stakeholders. And, and so all actors in our economy have a role to play. So what are these challenges? The, the global challenge is the the, uh, the price of oil at the moment and the, the speed at which the, the price of oil fell last year, around the middle of last year, was uh, completely unexpected. Uh, caught a lot of us by surprise and as a consequence our business has had to respond. Um, so we're, we need to readjust our cost base. Uh, improve uh, discipline, drive efficiency, and try to get the most out of our existing producing portfolio. But, but I'm confident that uh, as a business we'll be emerging out of this uh, much more resilient and stronger. Now, that's the, that's the global challenge. Um, and domestic, domestically there's a number of public policy challenges, and so I touched on this earlier, so let me run through those. Um, <clears throat> the perennial issue, I think, and uh, uh, you know, if you read uh, the political economy of PNG uh, by Professor House, you know, the, the issue of uh, our government uh, at all levels being able to convert uh, a resource boom into development for our districts and provinces continues to remain a challenge. And you know, I mean, it's, there's no way uh, that it's more, most obvious when you go to our impacted provinces. So there's, uh, in our area of operations, there's five provinces, uh, Western, Hela, Southern Province, uh, Gulf, and Central. So that, that, that's one issue, um, one challenge. Uh, the other one is that, the second one is that we've had to respond to this low oil price environment. Uh, we need to uh, look at maintaining uh, fiscal discipline uh, and that's how the private sector responds. Now, uh, how is it that the public sector responds to this, uh, but also meets the, the challenges of uh, promoting growth by participating in the projects that we've got in the pipeline. So, you know, that, that brings us to the, the third challenge, which is this tension between chasing growth and introducing austerity to bring debt under control. For our business, it's a combination of the two because uh, we, we're chasing growth through uh, two energy developments, and I'll touch on that later, um, and uh, trying to maintain sufficient liquidity to uh, 
um, you know, meet the, meet the uh, financing needs of those projects, but at the same time, uh, needing to tighten our belts and, and introduce austerity. So that's really the answer. Um, you know, you may, you, there might be some tension between uh, growth, the growth strategy and austerity. Uh, there's a balance which we found. Um, the, other, the other challenge uh, that I've got up there is the, uh, the, the regulatory environment. So, I think as a general comment, our energy industry is uh, yeah, pretty much in a self-regulated environment. And uh, what's required, I think, is for this country to decide what its regulatory philosophy is going to be. So, is it going to be uh, self-regulated? Uh, do you want it to be a prescriptive regulatory environment? Or do you want it to be somewhere in between? Uh, and once you decide what that regulatory philosophy is, then uh, we've got to look at the transformation of the regulator to uh, effectively administer the regulatory framework. And um, you know that's a that's an urgent need and has been for a number of years. Um, now, just moving on, the uh, I think it was around July last year, the, there was a tax review committee that was constituted. And the tax review that was constituted, and the chairman of the tax review committee uh, is uh, Senator Bogan. Uh, and it, the tax review was uh, initiated at a time where uh, oil prices were still fairly high. And so the, the, the discourse there with, between the industry and the tax review committee was okay, well, how does this country benefit from? the uh, windfall revenues that are being enjoyed by your industry. And then, uh, not long after that, uh, the price of oil crashed. Well, it didn't crash, but it um, underwent a significant downward adjustment. And all of a sudden, the discourse has now changed to, okay, well, uh, how do we broaden the uh, uh, economic base such that uh, in, a, in a situation like this, uh, we can soften the impact on the economy? So, very quickly, the, um, the, the sort of conversation we had changed, but I think, uh, you know, for our industry anyway, we, we enjoyed what I, what I consider to be a balanced fiscal regime. Uh, we, we enjoy a resource rent tax, and the country uh, has the ability to uh, share some of the upside uh, in an environment where we enjoy high oil prices. Uh, then, then there's the gas development strategy. So, we've got uh, one large uh, LNG project in the PNG LNG project, and then uh, we've got uh, two opportunities in the pipeline. There's an expansion of the project through uh, 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 an additional LNG train, and then we've got um, uh, at least one through the Alcantara project. But what we're seeing now is a uh, a huge network of uh, infrastructure that's been set up in processing plants, pipelines, uh, LNG plants, and then you've got scattered around the country uh, a number of uh, stranded gas discoveries. So you have the large, large discoveries that uh, we're looking at commercializing, and then you have the smaller ones. So the challenge for this country is okay. Um, how do we leverage of the infrastructure that's been built and encourage cooperation amongst all the actors in the industry so we arrive at the 
uh, optimal economic outcome for our country. Uh, and if the uh, industry players are not talking to each other and coordinating development in a way that is efficient or an efficient allocation of capital, then the country has a role to play in encouraging that uh, cooperation. So that's my challenge, <coughs> particularly in this environment. Um, in the last session of Parliament, the Prime Minister spoke about uh, domestic market obligation. Uh, this is not an easy issue to grapple with. In Australia, you're still talking about domestic gas reservation and the debate goes back and forth. Um, uh, there's a, you know, naturally, when we produce gas, the country wants to well, uh, inquire as to well, how we can uh, utilize that gas uh, for um, utilize it domestically for in industry. Uh, the thing about uh, uh, our industry is that you realize the highest prices for your gas by exporting it uh, as LNG. And if you want to utilize gas domestically, there's an opportunity cost to that. And uh, the state of um, our country is, number one, it wears two hats. It's an investor in the same way that uh, oil search and other industry players are, um, but it also um, uh, uh, it is government. So uh, there's a bit of a conflict there which needs to resolve itself. It doesn't want to maximize revenues to the state through uh, the export of LNG, or doesn't want to uh, uh, enjoy a suboptimal outcome by ensuring that there's gas freedom for domestic industry. But it's, uh, there are a number of pieces to this jigsaw puzzle, and one of them is, um, one piece is that um, as an economy we've got to decide what our competitive advantage is, and then use, use that uh, to inform what our industrialization strategy is, and then out of that um, should emerge an answer as to whether or not uh, the, uh, the use of gas for industrialization makes sense or not. So there's a couple of pieces in the uh, jigsaw, jigsaw puzzle that are missing at the moment. And then right at the very end of that conversation is a decision as to whether or not it makes sense for us to uh, use gas domestically. Uh, national content is uh, uh, always big on the uh, government's agenda. And uh, it's a legitimate aspiration of all of us as Convenience to, to benefit. Uh, from this, um, but the country's got to decide what its requirements are and articulate it clearly, make sure that the goalposts are clear. Uh, so we all try to, um, uh, as, as developers, we deliver results, but at the same time, uh, uh, you know, delivering according uh, in keeping with the, the aspirations of the country in this area. Uh, one challenge is uh, the uh, the, state, the state equity in uh, projects. Um, as I said, the, the state is an investor uh, as well, and uh, one of the challenges is, um, you know, if I was running, for example, the, the NPCP, which is the state nominee, uh, which has backing rights for all of our oil and gas projects, I might have aspirations to. Uh, step out into exploration. And so, do I risk uh, exploration dollars 
or do I want to receive uh, revenue from uh, you know an, an investment in the energy, energy project and then pass that straight through the treasury um, to use as part of the national budget? So um, there's no right or wrong answer, but uh, this is one of the challenges. And uh, there's a time at which I think um, uh, you know we can take steps to step out into exploration or be a passive investor. Um, so, you know, this is the sort of uh, challenge I think that um, government needs to think about whether it wants to continue to retain um, funding uh, for exploration and to promote um, the growth of the industry or pass that through to uh, consolidated revenue. Uh, PNG Energy Benefits Management, uh, this is an area that I've been working in over the last five years. Um, uh, recently, we've had um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, uh, we've had the introduction of the draft national energy policy and the draft national natural. I'm sorry. Draft national energy policy um, has the potential to introduce another layer of complexity uh, in our um, power and electricity arrangements. Um, there's quite a number of issues there and challenges there. Uh, and I think the last, the last two there, sovereign wealth fund and resource nationalism. Uh, resource nationalism, I think, the sovereign wealth fund, it makes sense to. Uh, talk about it at the time where we've got oil, high oil prices and we need to uh, put some funds away for a time when uh, uh, we've got a situation like we're facing now, our economy is facing now, where uh, uh, revenues from our industry will be lower than you would have otherwise uh, enjoyed in a high oil price environment. Uh, resource nationalism, my observation is that it's emerged when uh, there's a perception that the uh, that, the, that our host communities, our host districts and provinces are not actually seeing the, uh, the benefits that have been derived from these projects translate into development in their particular districts and provinces. So if you're the host for a particular project, but your schools uh, are in disrepair, uh, your hospitals are falling apart, uh, you haven't got doctors and nurses, that's the sort of environment uh, which ferments um, this uh, resource nationalism uh, uh, agenda, um, and you know, this is one of the challenges because uh, if we get it right, it promotes uh, stability in our operating environment. Everyone benefits from it. Okay, I'll, I'll just um, <clears throat> um, dwell on um, the challenge of uh, PNG energy benefits management. Uh, under the benefit sharing arrangements for the PNG LNG project, there are six uh, benefit streams provided by national government to subnational government and landowners. And also, just started publishing its payments for uh, two years now, independently of the ITI. Um, but um, this, uh, I wanted to offer observations on three of those six benefit streams. Now, there's a development levy, which is uh, uh, paid by the developer prescribed under the 
oil and gas sector. Um, but over after you know over 23 years of uh, oil production, um, it's there isn't a um, level of transparency I think to um, around that particular benefit stream, so that we understand exactly what sort of development um, is delivered by by that particular benefit stream. The infrastructure development grant, uh, which is 1.2 billion kina in total uh, over a 10-year period from 2010, so released in tranches of 120 million kina a year for 10 years from 2010. Uh, funds have been released in the name of IDG, uh, but it's difficult to understand in, uh, what's been delivered um, in the five host provinces. Uh, and the third one is uh, our legacy one for full commitments over 23 years of oil production. And we talk about uh, high impact infrastructure projects. So these are the projects that, are, that are, have been prescribed under the uh, benefits package to be delivered by government for our host uh, communities, host districts and provinces. Um, it's difficult, uh, you know, given our history, uh, to see how these projects are going to be delivered. And, um, you know, I'd like to encourage everyone to think about uh, employing the, the capability that, that um, the developer brings, that we bring, to help deliver public and social infrastructure, including these, uh, these commitments. Um, and also, I think what we're seeing now is a willingness by our industry to partner with government in delivering public and social infrastructure. So what does the PIP look like? How can we uh, help you mobilize funds to deliver those projects for you? It's uh, your prerogative as a country and as a government to identify what you want delivered. We can go ahead and deliver it for you. So these are the challenges. Uh, there are, for, for many of these challenges, there aren't any easy answers. But hopefully by the time the next page update comes around, there will be some something to report, uh, and I'll just tie up this uh, presentation talking about the future and, the, and maintaining that growth trajectory that we, uh, that we spoke about. So, uh, global, global energy demand, what does the future look like uh, with the demand for energy? Um, we think it's going to double uh, or nearly double over the next decade. Um, the energy market currently is well supplied until after 2020, um, which is sort of uh, around the time when, um, uh, you know, at least one of the two energy developments that we're looking at will, will begin to come in. Um, and, you know, while you read about a lot of other energy uh, projects around the world or in, in our region, um, not everyone's going to survive in this uh, world price environment. Um, I think that uh, LNG for PNG uh, is um, very competitively priced uh, in our region, and I think PNG is in a good place at the moment. Um, uh, you definitely have a competitive advantage, and the benefit of bringing additional projects is the incremental cost of bringing those projects on isn't as high as your foundation projects. So, you know, this, uh, you know, adding additional LNG trains can be the tipping point. So, 
the other batch focused on commercializing uh, uh, gas. This is, so this is part of the growth story. So um, there's at least two more energy trains um, underpinned by undeveloped resources. I spoke about the northwest, uh, the northwest in the western province, Pinyang, and Eshamo um, was the operator there. Uh, there was an MOU signed in December last year, um, uh, and there's an application for a petroleum development license with uh, the Department of Petroleum at the moment of consideration. Uh, uh, there's an appraisal world that will be drilled later this year, but this is uh, an expansion of the existing LNG project, which we hope will add an additional train down here in Port Moresby. Then we've got the El Cantolo project, that's the second LNG development where we've got an interest in. Uh, both the government and oil search will have an interest in both PNG LNG and El Cantolo. Uh, this is uh, one that's been out there for a while, but now with Total and Interoil together um, and ourselves and the government of PNG, we expect to exercise its backing rights. It's, a, it's an exciting development, and you know, even though we so the price of oil fall away last year. Uh, the pace at which we're all trying to get these projects off the ground it hasn't, hasn't slowed any. So only half of our full resource potential has been discovered. And that's why there's a large focus on gas exploration activities. Um, We've cut that back somewhat because of uh, the price uh, environment we're in, but um, there's still a lot of potential out there, and we're continuing to you know, invest hundreds of millions of dollars in uh, exploration, and um, you know, fully committed to being part of the growth story over the, over the next five, five to ten years. And in keeping with that, uh, there's an investment in. Uh, uh, a, in, in ensuring that um, it's competitively priced and reliable power. So uh, this year there's, uh, um, there's a large focus on uh, the Port Mosby, the highlands in the Rumble grids, uh, and investing in power, um, reliable power uh, as a platform for industrial development. Um, and there are a number of mines in the, that are going to be serviced by the Rumble grid, so um, this has become important, and there's also a significant investment by ourselves in uh, social programs, uh, particularly in the health space. Uh, and we're, we're, in, we're, in, we're interested in, as I said, uh, partnering with government to mobilize funding or uh, whatever funding we can liberate through the tax credit scheme uh, in order to partner in the development of sorry, in the, in the delivery of uh, infrastructure around our country. Um, I think we've got the capability to uh, you know, assist the government uh, meet its objectives in this area and we'll, we'll continue the dialogue. So, I think um, we've got a great uh, growth story, I think, ahead of us. Um, uh, as I said, um, it's not without its challenges, but I think the future is really exciting. I'm personally excited. Uh, in 2008, when PNG Energy was starting, 
uh, there's a good deal of excitement, but I think with, with two energy developments and our involvement in those, it's, it builds a bill for our economy. Uh, and I think, um, uh, you know, we're, really, we're well and truly uh, in the energy area. Thank you. been listening to a podcast from the Development Policy Centre. For more information on our work, visit our website at devpolicy.anu.edu.au. To join the conversation on Australian aid, Papua New Guinea and the Pacific, and global development policy, visit our blog at devpolicy.org. At the blog, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all the latest updates or connect with us on social media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>